and welcome to Procrex Symposium. Uh, Procrex Symposium is a professional practice webinar where artists share their knowledge on topics which were identified as issues in season one and two of our podcast. Procrax Symposium has been generously supported by the City of Melbourne and would also like to thank SiteWorks and the Centre for Dramaturgy and Curation for hosting us today. We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and the elders of the land in which this podcast and symposium reaches you on today. We extend this respect to all First Nations people listening today and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. Nicole's going to be taking this session with a lineup of Turtle Wizards, so um, enjoy and um, thank you all for being here. Um, all right, so um, this session is called Time and Project Management. I'm joined by arts writer and lawyer Anusha Kenny artist and lecturer Tarika Mbolatidi and artist James Moyen, where we will be discussing how each of us approach time and project management and how we've developed these systems throughout our careers. Um, Tarika's creative practice occurs around her parenting of three children aged four to 12 and work full-time as a lecturer um, in art and performance at Deakin University. Research and development for her projects is done primarily from her home workspace and production and presentation takes place on location in creative studios and public art spaces. Um, welcome, Trika. Oh, thank you. Thanks, uh, Kira. Anusha is currently on parental leave but works primarily as a manager of legal policy at the Sentencing Advisory Council. This work involves conducting sentencing research and developing policy proposals for government on sentencing issues, as well as overseeing the work of a team of policy advisors. Outside of this, Anusha is the vice chair of UM Projects, is completing her master's thesis in law and writes about art on an ad hoc basis. Welcome, Anusha. Thank you. Uh, James has a primarily collaborative practice, often working with video, performance and writing. He supplements this work with casual teaching and locum pharmacy. Welcome, James. Hey. <laughs> um, so how we're going to do it today is that everyone's going to um, give a short presentation um, uh, on the methods that we've developed for time and project management throughout our careers and how we've um, come, at those, uh, come at those tools. So um, I'll begin and then we'll hear from Tarika, James and Anusha and then we'll have the Q&A um, at the end. A lot of my sort of journey at coming towards um, my time management has come from I have difficulties with my short-term memory. So a, a lot of it for me has been about finding ways of keeping track of vast amounts of information. When I was at, at uni and studying, I started out with a moleskin diary, which was kind of, I guess, all the rage. I think that was about 2006. So I was pre-iPhone and everybody would have a, a sort of a moleskin diary pocket size that they would have like a, you know, a week to an opening or whatever. But um, I very frequently would forget, I would look at it in the morning before I started the day. I would forget what appointments I had um, on during that day and then I would forget to bring it with me to uni in the first place. So it wasn't a very effective kind of um, management tool for me. It kind of changed when I got my first um, phone, which was a uh, really terrible Nokia Blackberry knockoff with um, the full integrated keyboard, which, you know, had kind of limitations on the calendar function, but at least I had it with me all the time. But um, I, got, I got my first um, iPhone 
as a hand-me-down from from someone at some point right before I had one of my kind of um, first like really big solo exhibitions and that was like a real game changer for me because I had this ability all of a sudden to be able to kind of um, cross-reference, um, you know, to-do lists and reminders um, on my laptop and then um, be able to kind of take that with me um, in my pocket as well. So that was like a really, really big important thing for me um, that was a really important tool. Aside from this podcast, most of the projects I have done um, uh, generally have been like gallery-based exhibitions or more like larger scale public realm spaces, which have had a lot of steps involved. So for me, you know, when I when I begin with a project, I usually try and um, actually draw all of the different elements, um, like an like an exploded diagram of um, how I would kind of, I suppose, engineer the work. I think my work's quite based in, in a kind of more sculptural paradigm. So that would be like the basis of me trying to kind of begin thinking about like a materials list of things that I'll need to buy from that can kind of start to extrapolate like a to-do list of, of, of the steps involved in um, kind of, yeah, manufacturing um, each work. So I would start with that drawing and then I would start um, making like a, a reminders list in my um, Apple Reminders app for each work. So, you know, for, for a show that I had um, in 2004 at Westspace called Feelings that had about um, 15 separate works in it. So I had 15 reminders lists um, with probably about 20, 20 to 30 kind of items in the to-do list for each one. But for me, that was really pivotal to have actually each step kind of listed in there and like, you know, going on sort of very regular trips to Bunnings to get all the materials. Like if I forgot my phone, which happened a few times, I literally would not be able to remember anything that I went there for. It's pretty devastating going to Bunnings and then having no reason to be there and having to go home again. I've also adapted using the calendar app. You can tell I'm an Apple fan girl already, but having uh, different calendars for each exhibitions or projects has been a really um, helpful thing for me and then putting in deadlines that are you know pretty obvious that you know I might, may not have known when I first started practicing but things that are kind of a given you know like writing a press release that you want to have that you want to release it three weeks before it opens um, is putting putting it the, the date in there and then um, you know putting in a an alert sort of three weeks before, two weeks before, one week before to actually remind me to kind of get onto that. Yeah, but that's been a really important thing to be able to fit, see um, physically in each each day, each week and each month. And I think that was something that I found really challenging having like a, a physical diary and I would agonise over um, at the start of every year, like, you know, do you get week to a spread do you get day to a page um do you get month to a spread one of those really big ones um that was that was like you know what what's going to be the thing that actually makes the most sense seeing you know time kind of laid out spatially like that I found a real real challenge um so being able to actually see that spatial arrangement of time in that way and to be able to change it I think has been really helpful for me when I started doing more um, uh, like larger works, um, I experimented using some professional project management applications like Omni Planner, I think was the one that I had a look into, but I ended up, it, like it looks really great and I, f- I found it was a really great thing to be able to show um, the other stakeholders in your project because it makes you look really professional, but it was also 
the amount of time and the learning curve, I ended up spending so much time um, actually learning how to use the program and managing the program and, you know, moving things around as they would change um, that it would actually eat into my working time too much. So I, I guess I've sort of, you know, adapted my calendar app to work in that way that you can, you know, kind of change things on the fly a little bit more fluidly than that. And and now I sort of have adapted like an Excel spreadsheet instead to use as that Gantt timeline, which I don't, if you don't know what a Gantt chart is, it's just, you know, the kind of each, each sort of item has like a kind of horizontal line and, you, you know, each kind of time is um, represented by a, a line, you know, on a, on a chart. I, and, and, I mean, there's, there's some uh, good things about that approach as well that you don't, you know, you don't need to buy additional software if you're using the, um, you know, it's amazing what we have available to us now. If you already, if you already have some hardware and a computer and a, and a, and a phone that's fairly recent, you, you probably have a lot of these um tools already available to you which is really great last year I did actually uh, make up a year uh, a year planner which I designed in illustrator and, and got printed on plan paper and actually put that up um you know in my office space so that I could fill it in with pencil so um I think that's the, that's probably the only thing that the, the calendar app on my computer doesn't really show in very much detail a whole year so I do I do still have that one physical you know uh, manifestation of time in real space which is a shame because I feel a little bit conflicted about having, you know, so much reliance on te- technology, but it really is. It's like the, the standing for, for the um, missing part of my, <laughs> my memory. So just going on as well, um, throughout my career I have worked um, outside of my art career. I have worked um, full-time, part-time, and uh, more recently as a freelance contractor doing AV installs um, on festivals and art projects. Out of all of those kind of different ways of working, I, I feel that for me um, working on contract projects has been a really, it's been a really helpful way to, for me to manage my time so that I can, uh, uh, you know, put all of my focus on working on um, a project that's at hand, whether it's my work or working for somebody else. Um, I can give it all of my attention um, and it's like quite an intense period but then I can I can kind of schedule my art commitments and exhibitions kind of around those projects whether it's um, you know the comedy festival or fringe festival or something like that they're fairly regular throughout the year and then um, smaller kind of contract projects around that so I found it you know it's a little bit more work in terms of scheduling and planning but it, it allows me to kind of focus on one project with with kind of a laser focus you know which is it, it can be exhausting but I've found that it can be a bit of a challenge working uh, well I found it a bit of a challenge sometimes working full-time being able to motivate myself after getting home from work to kind of drag myself into the studio and, and find focus in, in making work, especially if I didn't have an upcoming deadline that I really had to focus on. It was just um, really hard to have the energy to kind of keep going into the studio, you know, to keep developing my my practice when I didn't sort of need to be there. It was a little bit easier just to kind of be like, I'm going to go in tomorrow. A last little thing was a, that's a little tip um, that has really changed the way that I've managed, um, I suppose, my time but is that I've started using accounting software, online accounting software in about the last two years, I think. It really assisted me in being able to kind of keep track of 
um, invoices as I, you know, started working um, freelance, being able to kind of send or having to send more invoices and knowing how long it had been since someone had paid me and then keeping track of like obviously doing your tax at the end of the tax year was easy because it was just the information was actually already there instead of having to kind of compile all of my receipts. Yeah, it was it was a, it was kind of a bit of a learning curve, but I, I found that to be a um, a real benefit in the long run. Um, and I've, I've been using a, a free program called Wave, um, which is you know the same as NYOB or Zero, um, but it, it makes its money through offering optional credit card payments, which is optional. So I, I don't use that kind of um, feature, but all of the um, the other sort of um, functionality of the of the software is is um, completely free which has been really great to learn how to use that's a bit of a quick overview of how I've done things but I'll um, hand it over to um, Tarika now and then um, and then we'll move on to the others and then maybe we'll have a bit of a discussion at the end where we can compare and contrast okay hi thanks Nicole um, I guess uh, this um, being involved in this chat kind of um, made me stop and think about how I do actually organise myself or uh, how well that's working. And um, I think actually it, I have to kind of talk about this and, well, I won't, but, um, you know, I have to kind of think about it in like post-pandemic and, and now, <laughs> I mean pre and, and yeah, and now, um, because all of the kind of systems and things that I had in place are kind of, um, out the window at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. But um, so I had to kind of like uh, scramble through like lots of piles of paper now that everybody's working from home and find all the little bits of things, all the trails of the way I used to organise my life and my time. And I realised that it's it's everywhere. It's kind of, um, it's across digital platforms, but actually a lot of paper as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I can really relate to that um, Nicole, where you're talking about how you like to list steps in things because that's um, really how I get things done is by just making lots and lots of lists. But um, but I guess um, when I think about how I kind of organise my time, um, it's it sort of comes under three sort of categories really, which is like family, work, um, and then, um, you know, creative projects. And I guess in family I, always, I also kind of um, I would include you know, like um, health and wellbeing stuff as well. <clears throat> um, so I'm going to, that's how I'm going to sort of break up my presentation a bit uh, into those categories. So to organise family stuff, um, uh, used to have like a wall planner in my study, which would have sort of, you know, a whole year or six months and I'd kind of block out periods of time for my own projects so I could get a sense of where everything was sitting um but that meant that only I was kind of aware of that so um as the kids have gotten older and they've started to have busier time on their own as well you know for their own activities and things and their own deadlines for things um it's become more and more important to kind of um be more transparent about how we as a family organize our time mm -hmm. so that it doesn't become just my emotional energy to kind of make sure that everyone's doing things around what I'm doing or, or otherwise um so we have first item from my pile of papers yeah. <laughs> um, is a calendar which has you know a column for everyone so I've got oh, three cool. and husband and um 
I used to kind of fill it all out with everything, but now the children do their own, which is really good. Um, and that's just a, a really good way for us to kind of see what we're doing across the month and then we kind of update it regularly. Um, and we do that together. And then on Sundays we have, this just looks like a really kind of stupid uh, um, stationary ad, doesn't it? But um, this originally, this whole process always starts with just scrap bits of paper and then mm. over, the, over the years I find bits of like stationery that actually work for me and then yeah. I can adapt to my chaos anyway. And so this works for us and so it's called Sunday Sessions, which is a bit daggy, but um, it actually is when we sit down and my husband and I look at our meetings for the week. So it's got on this side, you can see it's got like Monday um, through Sunday and then um, it's got like a little meal plan thing there oh. and other things that, you know, you need to kind of schedule into your life like bills to pay calls to make acts of kindness those kind of things that's so great yeah it is kind of handy and then so we actually sit down and this like Monday to Friday thing is where John and I will work out okay who's got a meeting at nine o'clock or whatever and so we can we actually put here you know who's doing school drop-off who can do pick-up um and then we put all of the um the kids after school activities if there are any, so we can kind of negotiate all of those things. And because it's just sort of there's no, there's generally no regularity to those kinds of things except for the kids' activities, um, it's really important to kind of keep updating that every week so that we, because uh, things are just chaotic, but at least that gives us something to kind of look at. And it, it is helpful. Once that's completed, it goes on the fridge. Um, and the meal plan thing, I'm not one of those people who can, like, cook and freeze I've never worked out how to kind of do that whole meal planning thing properly yeah. I know there are people um who are amazing at that but the least I can do is actually kind of think around what what ingredients I need so um and you know the kids help with that because that makes it easier if they decide what they want to eat too they can help make it and having them home more means that um we're all contributing to you know every aspect of that so I find those kinds of things really helpful um I also, it was funny, I picked up my diary, which I haven't used for eight, actually. The last time I used it was 46, I've been home for 46 days with the kids and just the last week that I was actually out of the house. Um, and this is kind of, I like the layout of this. This is, what what were you saying before? It's like a week to a... Week to a spread. Yeah, this is a week to a spread. So, but I like how it's got on the left hand Probably, I don't know if there's, like, private stuff in there. But anyway, <laughs> on the left-hand side, it's got um, this side for, and that's where I put all my work stuff, and that side, and then I put all my um, other things. So, like, gym classes, um, yep. recipes, things I need to do, all that, like, non-work stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's how my life kind of um, is. Oh, and then for my students, in, when I'm in my real office, um, I have one of these work calendars so mm-hmm. um, I can kind of plot where my students are at in their, you know, their trimester week. Um, yeah. So I don't necessarily need that in my personal calendar but it's good to have that as well. Yeah. Is that is that one, is that just like are each of those columns a month? I couldn't see very well. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's got the weeks of the actual university. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, that's great. 
Yeah, I, um, the actual weeks and then where exams are and try breaks and that kind of thing. Yeah. So across, so that's kind of how things uh, exist materially in my world. And then um, all of that, except for like the family stuff, I put into my, for my work calendars, I just use Outlook because <laughs> that's what um, all my students and colleagues use to keep in touch. So what I'll probably do is like parts of that life will flow into my work calendar so that I know when I've got things that I need to kind of, you know, take leave for or whatever. Um, and I can also, in my work calendar, which is on my phone as well, I can kind of block out um, periods of time when I've got a project coming up and I need to be kind of really concentrated, mm-hmm. focused on that. Um, but that said, I try and be really good about turning off my work email and my work calendar if I'm on leave. Um so that I'm not getting alerts and things. Yeah. Um, Drew, yeah. Do, you, do you find um, that you, because you're sort of doubling up, doing it on paper and then kind of entering it into your outlook that you're finding kind of a, a lot of, uh, you're spending a lot of time kind of like doubling that information or having to do that kind of um, process or it's fairly streamlined or? Uh, yeah, it's okay. I, I I find yeah. that it, it's kind of helpful for me to sort yeah. through it all as well, mm-hmm. kind of like that writing look, look cover right thing, like yeah. it's kind of <laughs> going through it and repeating it heaps is actually sometimes quite helpful. And it yeah. also helps me kind of work out what I don't need to do as well and what sort of takes priority. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but really when I've got creative projects going, I usually have like lists all over boards and and walls and it sort of just have like a particular project and then a list of tasks that need to be completed for that um and I can add to that and cross things off as they go um and that's usually just like an A4 bit of paper that's stuck to the wall or in my office um and yeah um and then so what I do with that is I kind of plot you know, important dates, like you were saying before, so that I get, and then I can put them into my um, digital calendar as well. But um, that's really helpful then for thinking about um, putting those key dates into the planner. So things like, you know, when a gallery needs a work, you know, and things like factoring in time for transferring and testing digital files and um, shipping prints if they're going somewhere and, you know, the length of time that they might be in customs and, and sort of then, you know, when you've got your end date, kind of working backwards from that. Um, so that I tend to kind of do in a digital um, space with all of my dates. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also helps me kind of block out when my production time can be, when I can be most productive and um, when I might need to kind of let the rest of the people in the house know that this is when I'm going to have to be really focused on that so everyone's going to have to kind of lift their game and um, mm-hmm. have to... <laughs> and that kind of thing um and uh yeah so it's just kind of you know and then each project kind of has its own requirements um but for group projects I've tried a a couple of different things like I think it's easier when I'm collaborating with people to kind of work out obviously with a team what platform works well for them because there's no point kind of trying to impose Mm. a particular piece of software if it's not going to work for everyone so it's it's sort of best to have that kind of generated kind of quite organically I think Mm. so for you know a recent project if we just sort of ended up on Google not team but Google something so that we're all using you know um 
uh, Google Sheets and Word and that kind of thing. Uh, whereas at work, everyone hates Microsoft Teams. Um, <laughs> and then it goes over to this other thing called SharePoint. And at that point, everyone just gets really lost and disinterested and disengaged yeah. from it. Um, so, you know, people, it's, it's a really hard thing to find a platform that everyone really, that everyone sort of agrees to. Um, uh, but, yeah, for that project, it was mostly sort of keeping things like project plans and um, contact details and contracts and insurance stuff, marketing material and then documentation all in one place. So that was a, a sort of a Google thing that we did. Um, with a project that I did a couple of years ago uh, called Wontok, we, um, I was working with theatre makers in Sydney, um, a glass artist, an animator who was at work with me, um, a community liaison person from the Australian Museum in Sydney um, and computer programmers at Deakin as well and then the curators in the gallery in Auckland. Um, and I, try, I tried using that um, <clears throat> Asana software, which I had forgotten about until you mentioned it in your email, Nicole. Um, and so I just reopened that and I forgot how much I loved using it actually. Yeah, I've been curious about that. I, I actually I, I didn't mention it in my, in my role spiel, but it's something I've been really kind of curious about so I'd love to hear what you think about it <laughs> got any feedback <laughs> yeah I, I found it was really um, particularly useful in the early stages of the project um, yeah. and everyone was using it and it seemed to be the the closest bit of software that replicated sort of what I would do on sheets of paper and yeah. in fact, probably the closest thing I've come across that brings um, everything together so that I can kind of you can do your Gantt chart <laughs> and you can have it <laughs> Um, you know, it's got, actually, I've got it open here. Um, you know, you've got your timeline, there's a calendar. Um, you can kind of use it like a pin board and um, upload pictures and links and videos. And it's just, it's, I find it really, really helpful. Oh, I did. I'm going to start using it again, actually, because I think I just got annoyed with all the notifications it was sending me. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. once I turned that off, it was probably just reminding me to do stuff on my list things yep. to do um don't nag me phones so yeah that's that's pretty much it for me I mean it's just um lots and lots of pages of lists and things um and that's kind of what I do if I'm doing writing projects too it's you know I might have like a chapter and then different things within that that I need so it's kind of just a way I I organize a lot of my thinking um yeah I reckon that's enough for me. Yeah, um, yeah, I definitely appreciate that you found the right um, stationery to make it work because I like, <laughs> just didn't, it didn't, it, I didn't ever get there with that. And I think um, technology was kind of aiming in the uh, the day. Yeah. So, but I, I do, I, I do appreciate it. I really <laughs> the stationery. So I'm glad that really works for you. I'm definitely going to check out Asana again. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, Right, well, um, James, do you want to give us a little run-through of your Tic Tacs, as I like to call them, um, of how you <laughs> manage your time? Yeah, so um, compared to you both, I'm probably the most chaotic person in the world. <laughs> uh, I assure you, it probably sounds organised. <laughs> no, like, um, but, yeah, like, I really do rely on kind of, like, um, manual pieces of paper and jotting things down because that's how I exist. Um, I, yeah, because I remember a few years ago when 
I was overseas and we were doing some film projects together and people were like on WhatsApp and then on Slack and then on all these apps and it just completely overwhelmed me. And then on top of that, while you're traveling, like sometimes your timelines change and then some of these apps don't catch up. And so like, I just basically just gave up on anything that was kind of digital. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, as you were saying before, like, um, the only problem with having something physical is to have it with you. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to frame it in a way where it was fashion. So, <laughs> so the first time, the first thing that I did when I went to Melbourne was to buy like a bum bag. Oh, so good. It was oh, really shiny. To, like look sparkly and also to have a place for your phone and everything. So, but this is the one that I find most practical to me because, you know, like in the back, I've got like coins and keys. Uh Um, And then I've got my vitamin E lip gloss, a puffer. Mm -hmm. In your bag. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) wallet, a pen that's really important, and also my... um, mid-year um diary and and that's the thing that works for me because it's really slim yeah Um, (laughs) because you know like you can't put a chunky diary in a bum bag but um but what's really good is that like yeah so you've got um a a week to this kind of like long thing so you could like jot jot in a whole bunch of stuff yeah um and i find that really useful like Mm -hmm. um and to me, to have it in between, like, it's kind of, like, more fun than going from, like, the start of the year to the end of the year. I'm like, I'm mid-year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, like, yeah, so I, I actually really love this. And, and without it, I pretty much die. Um, the other thing that I find that's really useful is also to have one credit card for your art projects. Yes. Because I'm so bad at invoices um, and also really terrible at, you know, like keeping sheets of little bits of receipts and stuff. So if you have just one um, credit card where, you know, you pay for kind of like websites and you pay for all these things and then when you go Bunnings, you've got it um, and, you know, you've got it in your your little fanny pack. Um, Yeah, like it it just makes it a lot easier. Um, And also with my projects that pretty much as chaotic as I am. So I pretty much work with producing lots of these um, little books for each project. And so, like, I I think I've talked to you before where on Dropbox I have a list of ideas Mm -hmm. and, you know, I go through it every once in a while and then any idea that really sticks I turn into a book Mm. and then... Once it's in a book, I start to, like, write down ideas and stick stuff together. You know, like, if I've made a phone call to some um, manufacturer or something, it's in there. And the thing is that I could dump these books everywhere and, you know, within, I reckon within one or two weeks, if I need to produce an artwork or get something done, it's all there. You know, it's all in in one place. I don't need to start again. I, I don't need to, like, go, oh who did I call to get, you know, that piece of plastic cut or whatever. So so that's how I kind of manage it. Um, the other thing is also working with highly effective people make you effective. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also slightly lazy as well. But um, 
even though I work mainly with like these manual things, um, I think it's really important to also be flexible and adaptive enough to work with other people in whatever you know, format works best for them. And, and that's what Tarika was saying before, how you can't just impose like booklets on everyone, <laughs> especially when they're overseas. Like you can't just like mail <laughs> books okay. back and forth, right? And so yeah. I have to kind of like work on Google Docs and do all these things that I don't like. Um, <laughs> and, and every time I'm on Google Docs, I remind people that I don't like it, but I still have to use it. <laughs> I'm sure they appreciate that <laughs> every time. Yeah, and, and also, like, I think it's good that, um, you know, like, people have reminders and stuff on kind of, like, the, the Apple calendars and things, but um, I use that. But also, yeah, at the end of the day, I think I rely most on, on my little, you know, like, diary. That, that's the thing that, that is kind of, like, the crux of my life. Mm-hmm. And I think if I write down and organise everything to a T, like, my life wouldn't function because, um, like, I have to manage, like, my parents and, you know, like, when they're sick, like, I just drop everything and then I just go, you know, like, everything's, like, irrelevant, right? Um, And kind of, like, they would also just call me up and go, oh, I need to fly to visit your cousin and it's tomorrow. And and I'm like, "Ah." So, so because the people around me are chaotic, if I'm overstructured, like I think yeah. it wouldn't work. Um, I have to, you know, like live with chaos and kind of like make that chaos like kind of adaptable to me. Otherwise, um, yeah, if I would get really frustrated at my parents and my relatives if um, if I had everything planned because they would just go in there and you know like and <laughs> they, they, they would not be writing and adding to, <laughs> to kind of like a weekly plan. They were like... <laughs> the slack. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that, that's pretty much me, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm interested because I, um, I think that's the thing that I found with the physical diary so challenging is that, um, you know, once you write something in there with pen, um, you know, I'd try pencil, but... You know, I was just using up all of the erasers always. Um, then I find I find that less flexible because because it's you know you're actually like physically writing it on paper and you know I find it more flexible to be able to kind of remove something entirely and kind of move it in that kind of digital space. So I'm I'm interested to know um, if like you how you find that uh, physical diary more flexible. Um, I actually like the satisfaction of crossing things off yeah. and, like, things where you're like, mm, I'm going to miss that meeting. Oh, well. And yeah. so, <laughs> yeah, and, and kind of like that physicality of kind of like playing with time and space in a way that's quite tangible. Yeah. Um, whereas when you're shifting meetings around, you know, like, you know, invites and stuff that people send, like, conceptually for me that's still a little bit challenging um and sometimes it's like always the first email or the first meeting that people send that I remember and so I turn up and then <laughs> it's like no one needs in this zoom meeting <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think maybe it works for me because I don't remember anything so um 
yeah, that's literally, I only have to defer, defer to the telephone. So. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But, but it's kind of like you, you go between spaces mm. um, and, and I guess there's no perfect way. Um, yeah. yeah. Because, you know, we're all imperfect. Yeah. Profoundly. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, well, Anusha, do you want to? Um. Yeah, this is so interesting. It's so interesting hearing how everyone else approaches these things. Yeah. Um, my circumstances at the moment are that I have a uh, very young baby, so that has completely changed my relationship with time and my access to it. So it has been interesting thinking back on how I, um, I organised my time when I had a bit more control. Mm-hmm. But so I work um, full-time in law reform um, and that is quite an involving sort of day job, but I also um, try to maintain a contribution to the arts through involvement with UN projects and um, doing some arts writing when I can. So I thought that um, what I can offer to this conversation is some kind of learnings I have about um, trying to maintain um, different kinds of outputs across across your time. Um, so the first thing that I think I've learned over time is that for me it's more about managing my energy levels rather than uh, and my expenditure of energy rather than managing my expenditure of time. Mm-hmm. So I sort of feel like for me 30 minutes when I'm fresh and I'm in a good headspace is much more valuable than three hours at the end of the day. Yeah. And so I kind of I like to look at um, my time usually over a week. So I'm a, I'm a diary person as well. And I like um, of the moleskin range, the layout that has the week there and then some yeah. um, like a free page. And so what I'll try to do is think about some of the things I want to get done each week and put them in the, in the blank page and then try and uh, work them in over the course of a week, knowing that some days I'm going to have more energy than others. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing that's kind of related to that is that I try and save my, like, what I think of as my best juice, like my brain juice on the things that are the most important to do. Yeah. So one of the things I think um, is a bit of a trap for me, and I still do it all the time, is when I have a little bit of time um, to sit down, say, at the computer, and I want to really, like, get stuck into writing something, um, I'll go and do what I would call like the easy wins which is paying bills or replying to easy emails Mm -hmm. but then I've lost those best working hours um, and I've I've frittered them away on things that I could do when I'm less fresh yeah so um yeah it's it's I think it's a challenge of discipline for me is to use that that fresh time to do the things that are the hardest to do and the most the things that I really want to avoid, which are really about like drafting writing, which is basically what all of my work is about is really about research and writing. And it's, I find that there's only so many um, hours that I can do that properly a day. And, and another kind of learning for myself, particularly having a day job that requires a lot of that 
good juice is that I don't always have to spend my best energy in my day job. And so I think to myself, like, you know, I, I do really care about my work, but sometimes there are other things that um, I want to invest in and I can think, well, I'll put my, my best juice into doing something else, whatever that might be. It, it might just be like, yeah, being with family or being present in a different way rather than, um, always giving that energy to to paid work yeah yeah um that's uh your comment about um you know putting putting your energy into the hardest or you know the things that are the best for you rather than the um the easiest things to just knock out of the park was um was uh spoken about in our episode with Sybil Kempson um in the last um season of ProCrack where, where she said that, that that was a real shift for her to think about you know yeah when you do have some time is like what what is actually going to um have the most profound impact in in how you know you feel about your work or what you're working on rather than um you know something that's just like an easy win so um yeah, definitely I really yeah. on board when she talked about that so it's like yeah it's a good one yeah and I think when you're trying to do longer term things like I'm trying to finish this thesis and it's like this huge thing that I always want to do something else other rather than do it <laughs> it's just you know it's such a slow process and yeah. um takes so much effort mm-hmm. so I think if you're always doing the easy wins you're never going to get those bigger tasks yeah. done um and another thing that I've sort of reflected on a bit is this idea of opportunity cost, which I think comes, I think it's like an economics term, but the idea is that when you choose to do something with your time, um, you lose the benefit that you could have derived from doing something else with your time. Yeah. So the way this would play out for me would be, say, if I've got a free evening, um, and someone asks me to edit something that would take three hours, I could say yes to it, which I may wish to do, um, but I would lose the benefit of doing whatever else I might have wanted to do with that time, which could be just something fun, like watch a good show and cook dinner and, um, you know, do a yoga class or whatever, you lose the benefits that you would have derived from using that time otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's made me a little bit more thoughtful about um, what I'm agreeing to. And I guess like making sure that those things that can often get kicked aside, like having time, basic things like having time to cook food rather than eating takeaway all the time, which is something that I pre-corona definitely was had a tendency to get into that sort of um, a lifestyle where if you look after yourself, you actually have more time to be effective. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know, you can just kind of get more done if you're feeling good. So yeah, yeah, that's been a bit of a learning for me. Um, Yeah. So they're my main, my main thoughts. Great. Um, yeah, actually, in our in our first session this morning, Ari um, said uh, to the, to that same effect um, that uh, if you have a big project that you've got coming up, is to write out everything you want to achieve. You know, from the most important down to the least important. You know, down to like you know, make sure that the, the edges are all sanded perfectly, or whatever it is. It could be anything quite you know 
particular and he said just cross off the last five things on the list and just um, just sort of get them out of the way so that you don't even think about them. Um, and then, you know, you, you're never going to get them done anyway. So it's like a, a, a little bit of a psychological hack to um, kind of give yourself a little bit more space. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, um, we, yeah, I suppose I was going to start next with um, talking a little bit more about um, collaborating, but um, I guess we've all kind of talked about um, collaborating using um different apps and emails. I was actually curious to hear a little bit more from you, James, about um, what uh, specifically, because you, um, I know that you work with uh, collaboratively with some people still in Sydney, how you've um, kind of got around um, that sort of tyranny of distance of, of, of working online. I think you said using Google, but um, do you kind of keep things mostly by email or have online kind of catch-ups, um, you know, using Zoom or whatever, or how do you kind of manage your collaborative uh, working? Yeah, so um, the project that I'm working with, um, so Victoria Pham, she's actually moved to London. So, wow. <laughs> so it's kind of like even more distant. Yeah. <laughs> but um, because of... Um, the tyranny of distance and, you know, time, it means that there's so few windows when you can actually work together. Yeah, London's hard. Yeah. Um, and so we deliberately make time. So once a week on Wednesday nights, that's our time together. Um, yeah. Well, that's for my, you know, like yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, but I find that I still work, it's really important to be in the presence of people to get stuff done because, you know, those little decisions that have to be made, those quick yes or no answers, like if you're just exchanging it over email, mm -hmm. um, it takes another extra day, yeah. you know. Like, so you're, you're doing this whole thing over the course of a week and as you said before, Anushka, it's about energy, right? Like um, if you're distributing those kind of like deferred decision-making um, via email or whatever that's not that direct, then these things just get stretched out. But when you're sitting there with your collaborator and, you know, and she's working on kind of like a writing component and you're doing some editing thing and then you're answering um, some emails for a bunch of other people and she's um, writing um, some other stuff, you're there together and then you're like, hey, Victoria, how about this? And she's like, yep, sure, done. And, and within, you know, like that, those one or two hours that you carve out in that week, things just get done. And for the rest of the week, your mind is free and then you come back. Um, and so it's kind of like how do you actually spend time together? Whereas, um, whereas like um, my collaborator with Kieran Begley, who's just down the street, um, you know, we can't really work together anymore. <laughs> but... But the thing is, you know, like the idea that someone's just down the street, we can just catch up any time and have a discussion if we need to. Mm -hmm. And still it's that sense of being um, conceptually and mindfully in the same space at the same time. And, mm -hmm. and that's when you can actually get stuff done. Um, I find otherwise, yeah, like it doesn't really work. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even speaking about um, Kira and I um, collaborating on ProPRAC, uh, 
you know, we do have this amazing benefit of always being very close in proximity to each other to be able to talk about it. But we actually sort of, you know, um, almost the other side is that we need to not talk about PROPRAC um, all the time. So, um, yeah, we we tend to, you know, book actual meetings where we will sit down and discuss, you know, um, the symposium, for, for example. And, um, yeah, we, we have... Um, work towards sort of streamlining a lot of our processes, um, you know, using um, Google Forms to, to help with our kind of onboarding for our um, guests and, um, you know, sharing documents on Google Drive instead of just airdropping them or emailing them back and forth, which we do quite a lot still. But, um, you know, actually putting all of the documents onto Google Drive so that everybody, you know, like if you needs to access something and I'm not right there, um, it's it's kind of somewhere that we can both kind of access it. But, um, I'd also um, say kind of with yeah um, what you've already said, James, about when you're collaborating with someone, if someone has a particular skill set that you might not have, mm-hmm. um, or they're more fluent in a certain area, make them do it. And there's always going to be an area that you're probably better at than someone else, um, and you should do that because yeah. Um, like Anusha said, like, if you can conserve a huge amount of stress and, like, not um, have to be in a stressful situation doing something that you don't um, particularly excel at or um, you, you know, find really taxing and someone else is really able to make phone calls or is really good at negotiating or whatever that is, um, it's great to outsource where you need hands, especially when you're working collaboratively. But even if you are working on your own, um see who is around you that you can have those relationships with. Like if you are working with a gallery, are you taking on something that you actually don't need to and the gallery should be doing? Mm. Um, And just look at all the, like having an overview and seeing what is actually important. Um, I know we have a question coming up in the Q&A that will kind of address this, but I just think it's really great if you can like get someone who's really good to do it just to get them to do it. Uh, yeah, maybe just a last question um, for everybody before we take Q&As. But um, I think um, one of the hardest things for me when I had, you know, first uh, finished university was actually that, um, you know, when I talked about before, like having a, having a, an event in my diary that was, um, you know, to, to do a press release three weeks out for an exhibition, um, I didn't know that you were supposed to do a, a press release a press release three weeks out from the exhibition. Um, there were a lot of things that I didn't actually know about how, you know, how putting an exhibition um, together works. But, um, you know, if, if uh, you had a piece of advice for somebody who was just um, kind of starting with or um, kind of developing a system of, of um, managing their time or project management, what, uh, what, what advice would you give them? Um, maybe one thing that I would say is don't over-engineer your project management. Mm-hmm. So um, you don't want the tool to be so complicated that it's more it's another task in addition to what you actually need to get done. Yeah. So I'd say to someone just keep it really simple, um, lists. I, I prefer, like, paper diaries and things like that. Um, but whatever works for you, I'd say to keep it, really simple because I think, you know, you can have project management for that you need for building a bridge and you can have project management for writing um, 
a catalogue essay and the two would be look very different. Mm-hmm. That would be my thought. Yeah. I have to agree, lists. Um, and, and just that stuff that we've talked about, about sort of putting in, like, really important dates. But also um, just making sure that you... Um, still prioritise time to, um, you know, take your vitamins and um, look after yourself because I think as everyone said here that, you know, you, you know, no project can really happen or you can't be productive if that's what you want to be um, if if you're unwell. So, yeah. 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 My, my thing would be to engineer your procrastination. So... <laughs> Yeah, so kind of like everything can be unproductive and everything can be productive. So while you're watching MasterChef, you can still like, you know, start to put, you know, like start to look through kind of like grant applications or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so and and also kind of like um, how Anushka was saying, sometimes when you're low energy and you don't want to do that writing, it's okay to make like a dumb video and post it up and then that's the thing that gives you energy when people say ha 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 lol funny video um and and so it's okay to reach out to to people through kind of like the useless stuff that you do like um a lot of unproductive useless things actually other things that keep you going and are keeping you afloat Mm -hmm. and then you know, you're, you're staying afloat because your friends are, you know, like egging you on and then you wake up the next day and you're like, okay, right, I'm going to do some writing. Um, I guess the, the other thing that has really helped me throughout this time is actually to build like a really um, tight playlist for writing. And so like weirdly it's taken me kind of, like, it took me probably about two to three weeks to really get the right playlist and it's like Pavlov's dog like you know like for me um when I turn on this one song it's like oh it's time to write and so my my brain just automatically goes into that mode and then I I, I can write and so you can use your wasted time in a way to trick yourself into doing work (laughs) because I think we're all creatures of habit um and often bad habits, but, like, what is bad and what's good nowadays, right? Like, yeah. bad habits are actually sometimes really fun and you kind of need to make dumb playlists and, yeah, um, yeah and enjoy can it. Can I ask if you would mind sharing what the what your Pavlov's dog writing song is? Because I have yeah. one as well. Um, okay, so it's Massive Attack, um, Future Proof. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I recently um, wrote a really very large application and um, I have been listening to that um, ambient album um, of uh, Aphex Twin, which is kind of in, very much in that same vein, but it is literally like when I put it on with the headphones, it is like <laughs> it's yeah. overcomes me. So, yeah, that's a really great tip. Um, I might also add to that that, um, you know, in that same vein of, of kind of using your weird downtime but um you know I think it's pretty common advice that um you know just getting the ball rolling on a project can be really helpful that you know you don't have to do it all in one big chunk but for me um I got into this habit quite early on when I was applying for grants is that I would 
if there was a grant that I knew that I wanted to apply for, even if it was massive, New Work Grant, whatever, OSCO, I would just sign in and start, like, just open and um, open the application because it, and, and not even, you know, maybe just put in your name and your address or whatever kind of, like, very basic information you have to put in. And quite often that was enough for me to just know that I had put my toe in the water enough to kind of, like, compel me to kind of just start um, start writing. He's <laughs> got 10 years on my playlist. Excellent choice. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, that's a tip that I would say is that if, if you've got a big application, um, is actually just to kind of um, begin, um, you know, just applying opening the application and, and just looking at it and that's and that's kind of enough like you know that might be the only thing I do on that day but I feel that's one of those ones that I get to like cross off my to-do list mm. and feel like really chuffed with myself because I did something. I would also say on that is um, if you have some projects that you're working towards but you don't have um, either funding yet or places to show them um, it's a great thing to do at the start of the year is like write out the list of all the things that you would want to apply for and start checking when the dates are for submissions and put reminders in your diary of when they're due and like when to apply for or when they're going to be open and like maybe note down the phone number of who to call um, for that grant round or whatever um, just so that you are kind of on top and you're not like oh shit it's like due in two weeks and I haven't you know got a letter of support or anything like that um, is always a good thing to do. So I use my, I need my calendar app to give me five different alerts a month before and then two weeks before and then two days before. Yeah, but uh, oh, I should have really yeah, got like, someone um, else to the panel. I have, I have a hack. <laughs> What's a hack? So the, the National Art School email list, like oh. at the bottom of it, like they give you kind of like a monthly reminder of like things that are coming up. Oh, you don't even need that. So just, like, go to the National Art School email list yeah. and then that, they've done it for you. Yeah, and I think Auspicious Arts maybe have, like, a grants part on their page. Um, that has, the next week has one as well. Yeah, and it will have, like, all the different state um, and federal grants that are coming up, but then also ones, weird ones that you might not have heard about because they're... Oh, yeah, Auspicious Arts are, like... Get it. Uh, okay, well, maybe we'll wrap it up there and we'll take um, some questions. So if you have a question and you haven't written it in already, just um, pop it in the Q&A section. Um, I, we have a question from AB that just says, how do you pri prioritise when you have too much to do? I'll have a crack. Yeah. Um, I think what I do when I have too much to do, um, I mean, firstly, I would try to have a little bit of a long view to avoid getting into these circumstances. But it inevitably happens. There's always, like, a crunch time of things. Um, and so I think prioritisation is just... It's just triaging what can't be put off, what can't be delegated maybe, what can't, what can't you maybe compromise on. Um, so... Yeah, I think um, often those decisions kind of make themselves because the most pressing things that need to get done, um, you just do them or, you know, you don't and life goes on as well if, if it doesn't work out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's tricky. <laughs> yeah, I, think yeah I agree. I, I tend to um, 
triage in, in the sense that I think about what's the worst impact of me not doing that right now yeah. <laughs> um, and then working back from that and then uh, and then being okay with the fact that that might throw out my whole schedule and just being fluid and flexible with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, for me, I mean, going back to what we were saying about like, you know, healthy mind and body is really helpful. I think, um, yeah, always having a having a little backup of, uh, you know, things that can keep me going. Like, um, you know, you were saying, Tarika, that uh, you're not the kind of person who's, who, who does the batch cooking or something, but quite often if I know I have a really busy period coming up, I do um, kind of cook a little bit of extra food and put it in the freezer. That's something that I don't think Kira has also shared that on the podcast that when she was in, you know, kind of undergrad of uni or, you know, doing yeah, a, having an install or something like that where it's a really busy time and you are, you know, you know that you're likely going to, you know, um, fall back on maybe getting takeaway or whatever um, is having a special food that you can take with you. Um, but, yeah, also making sure that you do, I mean, you know, it's hard when you've got uh, too much on, but to, to still make sure that you prioritise yeah, your health and, um, you know, that's doing some exercise or whatever it is because it will just make you actually more productive in the long run. So, And ask mm-hmm. for help. If yeah. you need to ask, yeah. ask someone for help. Yeah, but also... Um, Times when I'm, like, super stressed, I go look at art. You know, like, it's really good to be seeing other people's work, you know, and, and you know, like, we're artists, we're comfortable with art spaces, you know, like, we have that privilege of knowing and having a community and knowing kind of, like, the language that's embedded in these kind of, like, infrastructures. So when I'm really stressed, like, and I need to get my own work done, like, sometimes the best thing to do is just to go to NGV or Art Academy New South Wales or whatever, like, and then you feel kind of like this normalising space. And sometimes when you switch your brain into thinking in a way that's out of your head, like, you could resolve so many things so so much quickly. And, and also knowing that you're part of that whole space, like, yeah, make, makes you make really easy, quick decisions where you're like, oh, I actually don't need to make that additional five-channel sound work. Like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and on that, if you are working on a project, um, this has happened to me multiple times, you're like over, maybe over doing a project and it's really great to get feedback from your colleagues that might be like, you've put too much in this show or like, you don't need to make this much work, this is enough. Um, or you don't need to write this much, like scale it back. Sometimes that's really important to mm-hmm. do that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Watch a movie, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know, see, see some music. Like it, it actually throws your head out of yourself, which really helps. Yeah, totally. Um, and we have uh, another question here from Anonymous. Um, could anyone? share an example of when your time management for a project has gone terribly awry um how did you manage expectations of yourself and your work um i i maybe i'll jump in and 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 answer that one um i i did a project uh, my first really large scale project was really massive um and had a lot of and it kind of goes back to um the session that we had earlier this morning about um working outside of the gallery it was my first 
huge exhibition. I'd never worked with a producer before. I didn't really know what they were for. I didn't really know how to ask for help. I was very much um, in that kind of um, paradigm of, of being very self-reliant and just um, thinking that I could just do everything myself. Um, it, it sort of ended up in a situation where the, um, the contractors that I was working with were, were used to working with huge council um, you know, or huge businesses rather and, um, and councils and, and um, things like that. So they, they really weren't used to working with one 23-year-old, um, you know, woman um, trying to boss them around. Um, I, I spent two weeks trying to get them on the phone um, to confirm that they were going to basically turn up and do what I had paid them to do. Um, and it, it, it did become... It, it became really challenging and I ended up having to sort of like pull someone in um, and it was really hard for me as well to kind of admit that I didn't really know what I was doing and, and how to get these people on board with me but I sort of had to, you know, approach the people that were essentially hosting my artwork as, as part of the, um, the project and just say I can't get them, I can't get on to them, they won't talk to me, they're not really telling me what's happening and um, I really need some help to kind of go and boss them around. Um, so I think I think that was a really I mean there was other kind of like extraneous factors that um, you know uh, maybe I was sort of um, not given enough support in that kind of um, part of the project to kind of get it happening um, initially. But I think yeah that was one. And I think if I was going to do it again, um, I guess yeah not not being so proud to ask for help like what Kira said said is that yeah asking for help. Um, and going to people who know more than you. And I think, you know, if you approach people who, who you know, might have more experience in these areas and, and just ask them and say, like, look, I'm in a bit of a pickle. Do you know how how to approach this? Um, you know, that's probably what I, the advice that I would have given to myself. And that's, um, I think, basically the advice that I got when I, when I sort of approached someone else and said, I don't know what to do here. They just said, you need to kind of ask for help and and so that's probably what I would say to do but I don't know if anybody else has a a fun story of shit hitting the fan um that they want to share I, I could do it okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so I'd like to out my very good friend <laughs> Salati Tawali Salati <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like Salati and I, when we were doing our masters together, we we're like, yeah, let's collaborate. And so we started this thing called Bad Mother, and then somehow we got into underbelly arts. And we were so ambitious that in this project, we squeezed in like making like a series of three radio plays, a bicycle, ballet. Um, these additional costumes, like um, <laughs> like a, what, what are they called? Those confetti guns. Like oh, gosh. Um, we we had like emoji cutouts. Like we built these um, trailers, and we had like a soundscape. <laughs> like it was nuts. Because the best thing was that neither of us were able to say no to anything. Like we're like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. <laughs> and kind of like what was really great out of that was that somehow it came together um, because of the people around us. And, you know, like some parts, you know, didn't go exactly well, but actually it, 
started making me think that you shouldn't be so precious about work. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just this thing where potentially the work that you're presenting and putting up is just an idea, right? And so that idea, you know, Salotti and I can come back in 10 years <laughs> and then, you know, like work on it again. You know, like it's not like because you put it out in public, it has to be perfect, it has to be good. And, and actually that's just like your own anxieties that you, and expectations that you put upon yourself. Um, at the end of the day, you just think it through as a process of learning and that your art career does not hinge on this, you know, like, it's not the last dish that you've presented to the judges, you know, like, it's not like that, you know. <laughs> you know, another... You watch a lot of art <laughs> But, yeah, but, but that's the thing. Like, you have this career that potentially could span, you know, like, 20, 50 years, and so whatever you put up is just a little step, you know, and it's okay to fluff it, you know. It's okay to say yes to everything and just go nuts, right, because at the end of the day, you've got your best friend to <laughs> to kind of, like, have a beer with and, you know, like, talk over it. Like, it's... Do it's- you, though? <laughs> 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 Yeah, that, yeah. So, so my my thing is like not to take any exhibition or pre- public presentation too seriously. Like it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. I think sometimes it's also it's good to fail. I mean, it's it's hard, and I think people find that really challenging. But um, yeah, sometimes it really is. It's the best way of learning is to fail. Yeah, yeah. But I think uh, this is going to probably sound a little bit airy, but like I think just have faith in your work as well and your work will normally do something like so <laughs> just like let it be what it is and don't put too much pressure on yourself um and don't identify yourself so much with the work um so that it can just exist for what it is at that time and space um, also what what you think the work should be probably is not the best because you know like especially if you're starting you actually don't know the context or the you know, like the, the, the kind of like the meaning or the value of the work. So, yeah, kind of like your perspective on the work is actually a shit perspective um, because it failed and someone else saw that work, someone else could kind of like learn from it or, or use that idea and actually, you know, like take that idea somewhere else, you know. And, and so it's, it's okay that, you know, yeah. like your ideas are shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. Um, Well, maybe on that beautiful note, um, we might wrap it up. Really big thank you to um, all of our panellists, Anusha, Tariqa and James. Thank you for for being here today. Um, We encourage everybody to go to their websites and uh, obviously follow them on Instagram. Um, Thanks to SiteWorks and City of Melbourne for their support and, of course, um, to all of the people who have tuned in today. Um, Yeah, thanks again, guys, for um, joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Bye. (laughs) We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, and the elders of the lands that this podcast reaches you on today. We extend that respect to all First Nations people listening today and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. 
follow us at ProPrac Podcast on Instagram or email us at propracpod at gmail.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe on whatever you listen to podcasts on. Please stay in touch. We'd love to hear what you're up to as well.